Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It is a Monday edition of the show, but unfortunately for the second week in a row, it is not a victory Monday. But that's not going to stop us from having the greatest podcast of all time. As we recap the Bucks and Chiefs Sunday night game where the Bucks lost 41-31, and we obviously have a question, a lot of questions about the Buccaneers defense. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joining with me is the face of PeterReport.com, Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you doing on this Monday afternoon? Have you digested everything that you know we saw from Sunday night's game? And uh, you know, how are you feeling a couple hours later uh, after a uh, Bucks, maybe not a debacle, but certainly yeah. issues. Well, cer- certainly a little tired. I mean, it was a late game, and JC and I think we did a podcast around 1.30, yeah. something like that. So so it was a little late from that standpoint, but um, you know, I, I'm I'm not as deterred and deflated today as 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 I was last night after the game, and, and I think part of the reason for that is is because I do think the hurricane did have something to do with these this team's preparation, not so much the game planning, but more so the rest and recovery. I've talked to a couple of players that just said. It just was a fast week, right? It was a tumultuous mm-hmm. week. Uh, as JC and I talked about it last night on the podcast, and I'll just just for a quick second kind of go over this again for those that didn't tune in. I live in Wesley Chapel. JC lives in Lutz. You live in Tampa. You relocated, right, for the storm. Yeah. You went to the East Coast. But were you worried about what was happening in Tampa, right? You you were you. Oh, a, I was very concerned, not yeah, just yeah. for my own place, but yeah, you know, people around me and and everything of that nature. So it, yeah, it, absolutely, exactly. And so, so you have that worry, that kind of sense of dread. You're watching the news, you're distracted. And Matt, what what do we do for a living? Right, we we write stories, we do podcasts, we cover the Buccaneers for a living. We were on some Zoom calls with Todd Bowles and some of the players this week. We weren't preparing for. For you know, not mortal combat, but hand-to-hand combat, trench warfare, if you will, right? Yeah. Uh, we weren't prepared for as as what football really is. It, it's it's a car crash every Sunday, right? For your mm-hmm. body, just ask Cam Braid, who's in the concussion protocol after he collided, unfortunately, with with Chris Godwin. Todd Bowles talked about that. We'll get then we'll get into that in a second. But I, I just think that that from a rest and recovery standpoint, and Ra- Raheem Nunez Rochez, one of our go-to guys, friend of the podcast. He said, and it took a little bit of of me coaxing this answer out of him because he didn't want to use it as an excuse. He said, listen, at the end of the day, we had to show up and play. We're happy the game was in Tampa as opposed to being elsewhere. But I was still trying to recover and get over the Packers game at kickoff of this game. And I think there's something to that. It's Rest and recovery is a vital part of football players being prepared and ready to go. And collectively as a team, they didn't really have the opportunity. It's one thing to have a house. And if you're a football player, you probably have a big house, right? To spend with your wife and you got your kids, you know, in the playroom or or in their own rooms or whatever. It's a different thing when you've got, you know, a couple of kids, your wife uh, in the same hotel room, along with your pets. And you're, you know, you're having to deal with, Questions from family members about family members. Why are we moving? Why are we like going this far yeah. away? You know, especially yeah. if you have young kids. So yeah, I totally understand it, it, that. It, it, it was a distraction, and I'm I'm not giving this team a pass, especially defensively. I think they just got whipped up front. I really do. And and listen, uh, I asked Ty Bowles about Shaq 
Barrett's comments about the offensive line. Uh, Shaq, you know, is not known for giving people bulletin board material, but really at the end of the day, he did. And even Patrick Mahomes acknowledged that. And, and if, you know, if, if you're, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman and, and, and you hear Shaq Barrett and you see, because the video was on social media, him kind of scoffing and laughing a little bit, right? You're going to get fired yeah. up about that. You're going to look for any piece of, of bulletin board yeah. material, of, you know, of, of hype uh, content to get you going. And plain and simple, the Buccaneers got whipped up front. It wasn't so much about missed tackles. Sure, there's some of those. There's missed tackles in every game, folks. This was a hat on a hat, and the Chiefs offensive line winning the line of scrimmage, winning in the trenches, and the Bucks defensive line was neutralized. You saw that at halftime. Only out of all of the defensive linemen, not including the outside linebackers, but I'm talking about the defensive tackles, Logan Hall, Vita Vea, Will Golston, Raheem Nunez, Rochez, Deidrin Sanat. Out of those five guys, one tackle. Yeah. And you look at the second level, Levante David had seven tackles. Mike Edwards, a safety, had seven tackles. Devin White had six. It's it's not fair to always scout the box score, but in this instance, with converting eight out of nine third downs in the first half, this was spot on. This was the Chiefs getting to the second level with their running backs, whether it was Pacheco or whether it was Slide Edwards Hilaire. What frustrated me the most, besides the fact that they allowed, you know, 180 plus yards on the ground, I mean, yeah. and, it, and that starts with the line of scrimmage. And what's scary is the fact that, you know, Vita Vea just got the new contract. He's a captain this year for the first time in his career. Yeah. He's a captain on this team. A lot of people have a lot of expectations of him because, you know, when Dom Kinsu's not here and, you know, he's another year into the system, you know, Vita Vea wasn't really found like anywhere, you know, yeah. uh, in this game. And I think it's really frustrating because that's been a couple of games now. You know, his highlight play was when he was in coverage and forced the fumble against Aaron Jones. Right. And the yeah. people really frustrated me more than anything else is you look at when the Chiefs were on the goal line or, you know, a short yardage situation. You had three or four Buccaneers defenders, Scott, on Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the backup, whoever was in the game. And still, the running back was taking three to four Bucks defenders for, you know, four or five yards down the field. That's right. unacceptable. They're grinding for those extra yards. One of Edwards Hilaire's touchdown was merely just because he willed his way into the end zone yeah. with Will Golston, with Devin White, with multiple players on him. Yeah. You just can't have that. And then to put the cherry on top, when the Bucks cut it to like a 10-point game, and somewhat made it close. Someone gave you, someewhat gave you a, a prayer's chance of okay, if you got to stop here, onside kick. You right. knew the Chiefs were going to run the ball, and they yeah. still ran it down. Yeah, they just couldn't stop throat it. and got yeah. eight, nine yards on first down. So then you're stupidly calling a timeout on second and one when the two minute yeah. warning's about to hit, and you know that they're going to convert it because you exactly. just allowed eight yards on the last play. Yeah. That was the most frustrating for me because it's a will to win. It's a will to get the job done when you lose at the line yeah. of scrimmage when, when you're running the ball or trying to attack the run if you're the defense. Yeah. So yeah, I really hated seeing that. It, you're exactly right. Leo with the $5 super chat. We Thank appreciate you, that. And uh, in about 10 minutes, folks, it's Monday. It's not a victory Monday, as Matt said, but we're still going to do roll call. We're yeah, Peter people. So stay tuned for that in just a couple minutes. But uh, but Leo brings up a, a, a good point here. I would gladly take the team 
at two and two now. Not concerned. The next stretch of games are favorable to us. A lot of the games uh, up to the bye week uh, are. Now, I, I will say this, and Todd Bowles was asked about this. The Atlanta Falcons, Matt, what do they do? What do they want to do? What do they do very well? They run they, the ball. They run the ball. They, they, they run the ball pretty darn good. And right now, after last night's debacle, allowing 189 yards and a couple touchdowns on the ground, the Bucks' run defense has fallen to 12th overall, allowing 106.8 yards per game. Meanwhile, in Atlanta, they're averaging 168 yards per game. Now, there is one little caveat. Cordero Patterson, who's their leading rusher, was just placed on injured reserve. He's got 340 yards rushing this year, off to a great start, averaging 5.9 yards per carry and has three touchdowns. So Tyler Algier, a player that I liked a lot out of BYU, yep. will be getting a lot more uh, carries. And he's got the longest running play in Atlanta this season so far, 42-yarder. He's got 139 yards on the ground, no touchdowns yet, but he's a big back. He's a big load, think like an A.J. Dillon type. So we'll see if the Buccaneers' run defense can get corrected, and, and I'm sure that that will be the emphasis this week with um, with Todd Bowles and, and the Bucks' defense, uh, you know, really honing in on this because it all starts up front. And, and I'll talk about that in, in just a second when we do roll call. Uh, but, Matt, I, I would be remiss, and and, uh, and Bobby here says, guarantee, quote, incoming, you know who needed it, Celsius? <laughs> the Bucks' defense. Durr. Yeah, they sure did, Bobby. Appreciate that. That's a great segue. To, uh, to Celsius, which is the official energy drink of Pewter Report and the Pewter Report podcast. Now, Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy and seven vitamins. Did you know that? It's a healthy energy drink. And we're featuring right now the Vibes, right? The Arctic Vibe, which is the newest flavor. It's fantastic. Tropical Vibe has been a mainstay in the Reynolds fridge for quite some time. I actually had a peach vibe this morning, Matt, just to mix it up. A great flavor. You can get tons of flavors at Celsius. Uh, they have everything from orange, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Ashley's favorite is watermelon. They've got also a peach mango green tea. So if you don't like the sparkling flavors, try that. I had a, a cola flavored last night at the stadium because I needed to double up on Celsius. It was a late night. <laughs> and, and also cucumber uh, lime is also a good afternoon drink when I don't want that kind of fruity flavor after I've had one in the morning. So make sure that you are making Celsius uh, part of your active lives. And I've used Celsius to replace coffee in my household. Visit Celsius.com. Click on the store locator to find out where you can grab Celsius near you. You can also buy them in bulk on Amazon with the subscribe and save option. Have them ship right to your door and save lots of money. So yes, Matt, I, I do think that, that the Bucks needed some Celsius on defense. But uh, one of the things too that, that I... That, that I, I I took away from this, and and it's kind of funny how Buccaneer fans, uh, I'm not saying they're they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth, but on one hand, they're like we couldn't stop the run. This run defense is terrible. Oh my gosh, the run, the run, the run. And the second hand, they're like, what's wrong with the running game? Why why are we running on first down? Why don't we just throw the ball all the time with Brady and Evans and, and Chris Godwin and, and Matt? They kind of had to last night because that's the only thing that was really working. I thought Kate Otten did not block well. He had two poor blocks that led to negative yards, and that really kind of stymied things from the get-go. But I'll say this. This is why the running game is important. And Jamel Dean, when I talked to him after the game, that's one of the, of the things that he said is, is that, that the running game 
there's there's a real importance to trying to stop it because mm -hmm. if you can't make a team one-dimensional, then you have a two-dimensional team that can throw the ball or run the ball whenever they want to do that. It just makes it harder to defend. And that's what the Buccaneers want to do. The problem, Matt, is just that they're not they're not doing it, right? They're they're not able to do that. And I'm not saying this is all on the tight ends, but Cameron Brait is is not a good blocker. Kate Otten did not have a great night blocking. I thought he was better as a receiver, obviously. But this team really misses Rob Gronkowski. It's just apparent. Yeah, they they really miss Gronk, I think, more than anything else because as Gronk said himself, was a blocking tight end, baby, for you know the, the beginning of his tenure with the Bucs. And yeah, it is interesting because we do get on Byron Leftwich's case because he runs the ball at the wrong time. You know, first and 20 at a shotgun? No, don't run it there. Maybe throw it on first down and then run it on second down. But we're not saying completely abandon the run. And, yeah. you know, obviously the, the score dictated what Tampa Bay needed to do in that game. When you go down 21 to 3, and just the way the defense was playing with Mahomes, you know, moving the ball down the field at ease, you knew you had to score quickly and hope. Yes. To hold on to your love. Um, yeah, with that said, I mean, negative three yards in the first half is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. And I understand the, the Bucks finally did the right thing of like mixing in Rashad White, but Rashad White had the same amount of rushing attempts as Leonard Fournette. That should not happen. And now they were both factors in the uh, in, in the passing game. Of course, but you know, you mentioned the tight ends, they don't really have a, a, a true blocking one except for Cole Keith. And you know, he's still a little undersized compared to Otten and, and Brayton. You know, some people are calling for Kyle Rudolph, and I'm just like, you know, he's he's past his prime, he's here yeah. in case someone else gets hurt. But it, you know, you had talked about that they got to start, you know, whether it's using Brandon Walden, which they did, you know, in the goal line, just bringing in that extra offensive lineman. Yeah. in the run game they they have to fix something because it's not week one anymore and we were all high and mighty on the run game after they did it against Dallas, but they haven't done it since then it's been really really tough sledding in yeah. the meantime the past three weeks i think the tight end is part of it i think luke getticke has been i don't want to say beaten like a drum but you know d lineman are playing play the, well. are playing yeah. the hits against him right you know? and, and to be fair to luke getticke he's gone up against two really good yes. defensive linemen right he went up against chris jones on several occasions last night and 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 got beat and and the week before that it was kenny clark right he's a very good yeah defensive tackle for the green bay packers but when you're a second round pick uh you're you're expected in, in your in your starter you got to go in there and block those guys. You can't sit there and say, oh, you're really good, so that's my excuse why I can't block you. No, you got to go in there and do it, man. And, and if you can't, then maybe Brandon Walton, you give him a look. I don't know. I, I, mm. I'm i not sold on Luke Gedeke yet. I'm not about to write him off. We're only four weeks into this. I'm not about to write off anything. I'm not even about to write off Byron Leftwich, uh, Matt. But but I, yeah. I will say this, and I, I'm, I, I'm starting a narrative here, and I hope he proves me wrong. But the bloom is kind of coming off the rose with Byron Leftwich, and I'll and I'll say this: if you look at the creativity and the imagination that kept the Bucks defense on their heels, right, with mixing up different run plays, and I know there's there's some people out there wanting Dominica Subak, right? I even addressed that in the the Bucks uh, Monday mailbag today. But I don't think Dominica Sue is the answer because if you looked a lot of those those running plays for the Chiefs were stretch zone runs, right? And 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 that's where Sue was kind of exploited last yeah. year. And that's why he wasn't re-signed. And that's why they went after more athletic 
defensive tackles like Akeem Hicks, who's not helping the team because he's hurt. And, and also Logan Hall, who, as you mentioned, on that three-yard touchdown run by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, got just driven back into the end zone by Trey Smith. And Vita Vey was right next to him. He got driven back, too. He got bodied by Creed Humphrey. Joe Tunney came along and double-teamed and, and just blew those defensive tackles off the line. So can Ndamukin Sue help this team? Maybe in goal line defense, but on first down when a team wants to run stretch, I think he was kind of exposed there last year. And let's let's face it, and Damakasu is still a free agent for a reason, yeah. right? It's either no team wants him or no team wants to pay what he wants to make, right? It's one or the other. Otherwise, he'd be on a team by now. I feel like it's the latter. And I was saying this when Casey and I were on the uh, the, the the Peter Game Day show with the live stream. And I said, you know, as much as the Bucs, you know, struggled a little bit in, in the run game, you know, last season and, and prior seasons, when teams found a little bit of success, and it was a little bit, you know, it wasn't great success, um, they would be running it more towards the outside yeah. in, in those situations. It wasn't always, you know, up the gut. But that's what's scary is this year, while the Chiefs did a great job, you know, going to the outside, the zone blocking, as you said, there are times like the Saints game um, and this game as well where, you know, it could be third and short. And they're, you know, they're running it right in between the center and the guard and ripping off eight to ten yards. And that's the scary part where maybe a Dobkin Sue could really help um, in that situation. But, you know, going to the outside, I agree with you, you know. Sue wasn't known for his speed at this point of his career. It's just yeah. a matter of, you know, how many missed tackles did we see in yesterday's game? It's it's a, it's all about cleaning up a lot of the, the mental mistakes. I think there's yeah. a lot of mental errors out there on both sides of the ball. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, it was just getting bullied. It was yeah. the Chiefs wanted it more. And, and I'm telling you, when you have two good teams and one team beats the hell out of the other, it's not about talent. It's about want to. It's about want to and execution. The Chiefs executed better, and they just came out, and they wanted to. They seized momentum, and I talked to a couple Buccaneer players after the game that said, you know, listen, man, three plays into the game, we're down 7 nothing to the Chiefs, and they're starting to roll. And the two guys that made that, that happen were Patrick Mahomes, who last time he was on the field was getting chased, ran over for his life, by Bucks defense, didn't even make it into the end zone. And Travis Kelsey, he was pretty much neutralized by Levante David. But I thought he abused Levante David a couple times, including that touchdown run right there where he juked him. And those two guys energized the Chiefs, gave them momentum right from the start, and the Bucks defense couldn't take it back all night long. We'll get to this play in just a second here. But uh, I'll tell you this, Matt. Uh, one thing that we do love Mondays, win or lose, is finding out where our fans are listening and watching from. And we we do this thing called Roll Call. Roll Call. Where are you at, Peter people? So I'm going to talk to you now a little bit about Byron Leftwich. And Matt's going to put up all of your locations. So if you want to type in the chat where you're watching or listening from, and uh, and we'll we'll find out and we'll see how many Floridians we have. We'll find out how many Americans we have. We'll find out how many international Buck fans we have. As uh, as Matt does that, I'm just going to say this: the the lack of imagination that I've seen from this offense. And and I I did say I, I will say that I, I did appreciate 
the screen pass, I, I didn't have issues with, with the scripted plays for Byron Lefwich. I also didn't have issue with the Bucks going up-tempo, especially when they needed to, down 21-3. to three. But I think that was more on Brady than it was on, on Byron Lefwich. It's easy when your offense is scoring 30 points per game, and these are the tools slash weapons slash chess pieces that you have to play with, the toys, if you will. A Hall of Fame quarterback, a Hall of Fame tight end in Rob Gronkowski, a Hall of Fame wide receiver in Mike Evans, a Hall of Fame caliber player in Antonio Brown, a twice 1,000-yard wide receiver in Chris Godwin, who is the highest paid wide receiver on the Buccaneers at $20 million a year, uh, three Pro Bowl offensive linemen in Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs, a pretty good back for your system in Leonard Fournette, a top 10 left tackle in Donovan Smith, a right guard who, if that's your weakest link, got paid in free agency uh, in Alex Kappa. When you have all of those pieces together, I'm going to say just about anybody can look good. It's hard to screw that up, Matt, right? Especially when when the offense is given to you and say, this is my playbook, Byron. And I'm saying that, and in, in of course, as Bruce Arians, here's my playbook, Brian, uh, Byron. Go ahead and run this. Here are the toys you have to play with. And, and he looks good. And he gets credit for all of the offensive success. Uh, Bruce Arians is, is espousing how much credit Byron deserves. Okay, that's fine. But a play caller worth his salt is going to make use of what he has, right? And I'm looking at the Chiefs offense right now, and they've got a Hall of Famer in Travis Kelsey, no doubt about it. Yeah. They've got a future Hall of Famer in Patrick Mahomes. But if you look at those, those weapons around Mahomes outside of that, right? I mean, Miko Hardman, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, um, Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who you know, maybe is a fringe pro bowler if he keeps doing you know, what he's doing. Juju Smith-Schuster? I, I mean, this, the, yeah, the, the, this is an offense that's doing a lot with what I think are kind of a collection of role players. And you look at the collection of role players the, the Bucs have had to work with when you don't have a Rob Gronkowski, when Mike Evans is suspended, when Chris Godwin's out, right? And the Buccaneers struggled to score 12 points last week against the Packers, including not even really running the ball with much success. And you saw what the Patriots were able to do against the Packers on the ground yesterday. Yeah. So I, yeah, the I, Patriots. I, 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 just, I just think that the bloom has come off the rose about Byron Lefwich. And, and I, I don't want that to be the case. I want him to be some kind of whiz, offensive uh, you know, whiz kid. The next that, big thing. you know, The next big thing. But I, I I don't think he is. I don't I haven't seen that. And and certainly with without the the weapons and, and the pro bowlers that I talked about, the point production is not there. Now they put up 31 points last night. They had to throw the ball, but at the same time, that's Tom Brady. That's Mike Evans. That's Chris Godwin doing yeah. a lot of the heavy lifting in this offense. And what concerns me is. I don't want to like scare any Buccaneer fans. I know we're we're in the spooky season with Halloween, but Matt, if this guy's not going to be a head coach, then he's probably stuck in Tampa for another year. And if the offense is regressing without 
a future Hall of Famer and Rob Gronkowski and those offensive linemen, those pro bowlers we talked about. What's going to happen when Byron Leftwich has a Kyle Trask or a Blaine Gabbard or some other quarterback not named Trump, Tom Brady to work with? It scares the hell out of me, man. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, I, I never want to – I'm never going to – well, never say never, but put it this way. When Byron Leftwich was – in the running for head coaching jobs last season. Obviously, he almost became the Jaguars head coach. You know, a lot of us talked about, at least like in the Peter Report group chat, like, I don't know if he's totally, totally deserving of to, to become a head coach. And, yeah. you know, he had some things going for him. You know, the Bucs had one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. But again, you have Tom Brady when you're running that offense and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, everyone that you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I, you see it with the Chiefs. They lost Tyreek Hill, and yet Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid—they're—they're exactly. they're putting their players in the best. All Byron talks about is I want to put my players in the best position to succeed. Yeah. Well, the Chiefs did that with way lesser talent than the Bucks had, and it's like, okay, well, if Evans is suspended and Godwin's hurt, the narrative becomes, oh, well, they don't have their star wide receiver, so that's why they can't do anything and they can't move the ball. Well, you know what? That's right. BS because we see other teams. That's right. You know, still be effective and. Another thing that was really concerning, and I do think there were some positives from this game. We could talk about that yeah. in, in a little bit. Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm happy they found the end zone more than once yeah. per game. I'm happy they scored 31 also, points. I hope I'm, this continues. Right? And I'm, 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 glad they're making, I'm glad they're making these mistakes now in, well, it just became October, but mostly September yeah. and the first week of October. And they're not making these mistakes, you know, in November, December. But it just felt like a time, Scott, if there was like a penalty or – you know, a crappy run play that they lost yards. Right. Anytime they had to overcome anything that was more than 10 yards, if it was first and 15 it's or just anything impossible. like that, yeah. it felt like they were climbing Mount Everest. Yeah. It really felt that yeah. way. With the Chiefs, it was like, okay, Mahomes got sacked, second and 15, wham, right. 17 yards, first yeah. down. How many times did we talk about you have to stop Travis Kelsey? What do yeah. you do? Nine receptions, 92 yards, yeah. multiple third down plays. Like anytime you Touchdown. needed him. He yeah. just made the money play. So I'm going to be honest, watching that game and just talking about it now, it, it it really just makes me want to crack open a beer. And, of course, if I'm drinking a beer, it's going to be uh, Pirate Republic, which is the official beer of PewterReport.com. They are brewed in Nassau in the Bahamas, and they're making their way to Florida for the football season. Beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating life in the spirit of the original pirate code. That's a sense of belonging. Pirate Republic is a community of people living life on their terms. The Long John Pilsner, my personal favorite, is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. The Take No Quarter is the best IPA that you'll drink. And drop an orange slice in the golden haze of piracy Belgian wit beer and enjoy the pirate life. Pirate Public Beer is available at a participating retailers like Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC liquor stores in the greater Tampa Bay area. And they're expanding across the state of Florida, so that's very exciting. Live your life on your terms and drink like a pirate. And that's with Pirate Republic Beer. Good stuff, Matt. Um, I, I had certainly had some Pirate Republic um, over the weekend. I wish I would have brought some to the game. Don't yeah. think I can drink in the press box, but I wanted to. <laughs> so bad. Listen, I'm a defensive guy, right? And and uh, you know, I, I I think that that this is this is going to be. We're going to find out 
which Bucks defense we've seen, right? Mm -hmm. Who's the imposter? Is the imposter last night where this team just dealt with a week full of distractions and finally got to the game and lost momentum and got a little tired? And listen, (laughs) let's say a little tired. The Chiefs almost had a two-to-one time of possession advantage. They had 80 snaps on offense. Yeah. 80 snaps. The punter only came on late in the game. Right. Or is is the defense we saw, say, in New Orleans, right, holding the Saints to just 13 points, or I should say 10 points, three points against the Cowboys the first week, a defense that gets sacks and bunches, that creates takeaways, that can score on defense. We've got a small sample size, Matt. We've got four games. And, and we're entering a stretch now where there are some quote-unquote winnable games, although I put air quotes on that because this is the NFL on any given Sunday, is more applicable now than ever. It seems there's more parity in this league now than there ever has been. But, Matt, we collectively, I think, said, as long as this team does no worse than 2-2 two and two out of the first four games of this juggernaut of an of a early month uh, of a schedule, as long as they finish at least two and two, they should be okay. Because then you have Atlanta, you got Carolina, you got Pittsburgh, etc. You know, coming down the pike, these are are some quote unquote winnable games. But at the same time, Matt, how does the fact that this team has now lost back to back games at home, how does that sit with you? The fact that it's these two games, not one of those other games on the road, whether it be Dallas or New Orleans. Yeah, I think that's what really hurts is the fact that, yes, they did reach the goal of just going two and two, and that was a good thing. But you would almost rather them kind of, you know, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, or, yeah. you know, in that in that setting. Because I know in Bruce talked about you got to win your games at home and then split on the road. And, right. you know, that's going to get you a winning record, and that's going to get you the division. And the Bucs have not gone with that blueprint so far. Now, granted... They're, they went up against the two best quarterbacks that they're going to see this year um, on their schedule. and But at the same time, you know, Atlanta's coming off a win. Sure, it was the Browns, but you ride the momentum of any win. The Bucs lost two in a row. Yeah. And it almost does help that this game is back in Tampa because yeah. I think you have to get that monkey off your back a little bit. Not that, like, yeah, historically. You, you got to get a home era. win. Yeah, right. you have to get a home win. Start writing that momentum because I really think and like I watched a lot of uh, the Jets Steelers. I watched all of it. I watched all of the Jets Steelers game. That Steelers team, like their defense is okay, especially when TJ Watt is in there. But like Minka Fitzpatrick, their other, uh, you know, star defensive player, he got hurt. We'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. But, you know, that's a team. If the Jets can score 24 points against the Steelers, Tom Brady and the Bucs can, you know, match that and get if not even more. Kenny Pickett only played a half and threw right. three interceptions. So like yeah. that's a game, that's a get-right game for the Bucs. I certainly um, hope that's the, the case. Pan- and the Panthers have been an absolute dumpster fire. So Yeah, they have. Um, but this is a huge test this week against the Falcons, Scott. Yeah, um, but you know what? I, we, we saw Aaron Rodgers make a couple of those Houdini-type plays, right, where he's almost sacked and it, like a, does an underhand toss or just zips the ball right past a blitzing linebacker to – you know, to to Robert Tunyon at the tight end, or or you know Aaron Jones to pick up a, a key first down on third down, and of course Patrick Mahomes does that better than anybody now. But like th- this is a real play. This is 
Patrick Mahomes, his knee is not down. This is Carlton Davis. That was unbelievable. Right. Uh, how the heck did that Who happen? should have had a sack. This is Shaq Barrett, who's applying pressure to almost batted the pass down. And, mm -hmm. and this is on third down, folks. This should be a sack. And and I, I kind of you know talked about this in the, the Peter Report group chat here. There's people out there that, that say pressures are even better than sacks, blah, blah, blah. No, they're not. No, they're not. Pressures are important. I'm not diminishing the importance of pressures because if you can't get a sack, you you want to get a pressure. And sometimes pressures can lead to interceptions, right? That's mm -hmm. something that can happen. But this is this is a great example of how pressures can be misleading and not, not all pressures are created equal. Okay, this is a pressure by Carlton Davis. This is a pressure on the same play by Shaq Barrett. This is also a completion on third down to Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay, so so it's a it's 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 indicative of of the magician that Patrick Mahomes is and certainly was last night. And here's another play too that that I don't want to give any Buccaneer fans nightmares. Again, it's kind of spooky season. We're into October now, but uh, this was a pressure by Devin White. Should have been a sack by Devin White. A sack would have been better on this play than a pressure, just like Carlton Davis's sack would have been better than a pressure on that on that play. But this is Devin White coming in 100 miles an hour. Patrick Mahomes sees him, slams the brakes on, sidesteps him. He's Spin move, too. Yeah, he's pressured, but still makes uh, in a, a remarkable touchdown pass. And and there you go. So, And friend of the program, Pat O'Connor, almost had Mahomes on the same play. He was yeah. initially the defensive lineman that got in there, and then right. he's Mahomes right rolled out to right his there. right. Yeah. Yeah, rolled out to his right, and then Devin White missed on the spin move. Uh, shout out, Frank. Thank you for the 499 Super Chat. Um, yesterday, when they showed the replay of Mahomes doing the spin move on Devin White, I uh, I did, like, the Chris Berman, whoop! you know, like when, when he does that move. And Frank was a big fan of it, so he just asked awesome. right there. I gave it to you. Whoop! So uh, you thank go. you, Frank, for the for the Super Chat. Asking you shall receive. Yep. Uh, I did have uh, see we we put up a super chat there about Chris uh, Christopher Oxenine. We appreciate that. Uh, I did have a question here from Mark Fisher. He says uh, Scott, uh, it is clear that, uh, though that Bowles is not on the same level as BA. Time to mentor and donate to the chat or to the site as always. Appreciate that question, Mark. I, I will say this: it's four games. It's it's too early to make snap judgments about anything. We have to analyze what's happening. But just like I'm not about to condemn Byron Leftwich, I, I can say what's on my mind right now through four games. And if you don't think Todd Bowles is up to snuff through four games, time will tell. I will say this. Usually, and I've covered enough coaching turnover in Tampa, Matt, whether it was ultimately Tony Dungy at one point, whether it was ultimately John Gruden at another, uh, whether it was ultimately Raheem Morris after three years, Greg Schiano after two, Levy Smith after two, Dirk Cutter after three. Right. I mean, I've, I've seen enough turnover to know usually you have to kind of lose the locker room. You have to kind of go in the downward spiral to get the the coaching change. Now, I don't think Mark's calling for coaching change. He's saying, is it time for for Bulls to to be mentored by Bruce? Well, Bruce is in the building. Yeah, he's and there. He's <laughs> they there. have conversations. They have conversations all the time. At the same time, Todd Bowles, he's the head coach. He has to figure things out. I mentioned this on the postgame podcast last night. It bears repeating for those of you that, that didn't listen or watch. Uh, 
I, I asked Tristan Werps. I said, what did Todd Bowles tell this team after the game? And he said, well, he walked in. The first thing he said was, guys, this is on me. This, this is my loss. Sorry I let you guys down. And all of a sudden, Mike Evans, offensive player, right, Pro Bowl wide receiver, not a defensive player, wide receiver, team captain, steps up and said, no, coach, it's on us. It's on us as players, right? And again, this is an offensive player. They scored 31 points, Matt. I yeah. mean, it wasn't yeah. all pretty, and they could have used some of those in the first quarter to kind of neutralize things. They're always chasing that scoreboard. Always, as soon as they would, would pull within 10, it seemed like Kansas City would get a field goal or touchdown to just extend that lead. But I, I still think that speaks volumes about Mike Evans to quickly cut off Todd Bowles and say, no, coach, this is not on you. This is, is is on us as the players. Todd Bowles was also taking the brunt of the blame during his postgame press conference. He should, right? I'm not trying to, to say he he doesn't deserve blame. He does. He and the coaching staff and the players do. This was an all-around yeah, it was a group effort. crappy loss by this team. And, you know, that's why Mike Evans is who he is. That's why he's a team captain. And you know what? Mike Evans did his part, you know, yeah. over, over 100 receiving yards. Once again, proved why him and Tom Brady are – Maybe the most threatening duo in the red zone, uh, yeah. you know, connecting. Uh, well, one was a fade pass. And, of course, he had the one where he got hit pretty hard, too. He got right. hit really hard in that game. The 30-yard reception that he made, he got yeah. hit in the back. Uh, he got hit pretty hard on that first touchdown. And then he drew that um, unnecessary roughness yeah. penalty as well. So, Mike Evans, a good thing he got a good, uh, you know, good week of rest last week yeah. when he was suspended because I'm sure he's feeling – Exactly. Uh, pretty well, brutal today. And, and and Tom Brady, you know, said that he needs some TB12 treatment on his right shoulder after getting sacked by Legereus Sneed, who if you yeah. read the SR's Fab Five and watched the Peter Report tailgate show, this Sneed guy is, he means business in the slot. He's a good slot cornerback, had some good moments in coverage, but certainly had a huge sack fumble in that game that really stole possession from the Buccaneers. And, and not just that, but also, uh, you know, stole some momentum as Tampa Bay was trying to creep back into the game uh, the, to have that, you know, that, that that sack fumble happen was was not good. You see Luke Gedeke here had a rough night blocking yeah. uh, Chris Jones, who recovered that that fumble by, by Snead. But uh, it, he wasn't the only player. Tom Brady wasn't the only player got hurt. Uh, Carlton Davis got banged up. We did not really get an injury update, I don't think, did we, Matt? Yeah, Bowles just said – so what Bowles said was that um, – he said Carlton Davis is okay. So Carlton should be good to go for right. next week's game against the Falcons. They said yeah. they're still evaluating Logan Ryan, which yeah. obviously is a bit more concerning. Sure. And then he was asked again about Julio Jones. Now, Julio – remember, we were all excited because their big three receivers were coming back. Right. Evans from suspension and Godwin and Jones from, from their injury since they haven't yeah. played since week one. And Julio was pretty much nowhere to be found. Two targets, one reception for seven yards. Granted, it was on a third down, and he got the first down. Yeah. So at least, at least he did that. I but don't, I don't even know. Was, yeah. So I mean, sorry. Ball said I, after the game that um, he couldn't get loose at halftime and wasn't able to play in the second half. So that's why they didn't. Um, you know, that's why they didn't use him in the second half. Yeah. I think it's going to be an ongoing problem for the entire I do season. Too. I, I I think you know. I, I think there's some fool's gold here, right? I mean, he looked good in training camp. He had some days. They, they rested him. They tried to be precautionary. I just think his body's given out, man. He's 33. You know, I, yeah. I, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see him come back and be a factor at some point in time. Maybe a couple hundred-yard games would be nice down down the stretch. I don't know, <laughs> man, but I'm with you. I, I don't have a good feeling 
about Julio Jones. I think the Fantastic Four is really just the dynamic duo, man. I mean, Russell Gage, no separation in this game. What do you have? One catch, two catches, two catches for twenty-four yards. Yeah, I mean, and got hurt, got banged up in the game. He's he's got a bad hamstring that I don't see healing for some time. That's been bothering him since training camp. He's averaging about seven yards per catch. This is a $10 million receiver here that I know he's banged up, but man, it's the fantastic four is no more. This is the dynamic duo. And then, then you, you, you don't have Gronk. Obviously we talked about that and, and Cam Brate is a big step down. And now you're going to be without Cam Brate, who is in the concussion protocol. Todd Bowles mm-hmm. talked about that. I put that story up on pewterreport.com before the podcast where it looked like a concussion to me. <laughs> Because that was a pretty wicked collision between he and Chris Godwin, a little friendly yeah. fire there. But, but uh, you know, he he ran into Godwin and looked like he was concussed, but then came over to the sidelines and Bull said he was complaining about his shoulder. And so they, yeah. they, they evaluated him for the shoulder. He went back in. I mean, he only played another, you know, minute and a half of game time. And then they, they the symptoms came on at halftime. And then they put him in the concussion protocol. He didn't play in the second half of the game. But Kyle Rudolph now, who neither one or you and I are too impressed with, he's going to be active for this game along with KDOT and Kokeeft. So, again, nothing we can do about Rob Gronkowski and, until he decides to, if he wants to, come back. But it's it's fair to say that right now this Buccaneer offense uh, could use a uh, an Ali Marpet, who he's not coming back because Luke Edeke has not been the answer or left guard, not even close. And I think he's been the obvious weak link on that offensive line. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got uh, the, the tight end position that is just young and not, not good right now. Uh, shout out to Matthew for the $5 super chat. He says, O-line improving, but run blocking sucks. Our O-line used to get extra yards after contact with pile push led by Jensen. Uh, where's the O-line dog to to step up? Yeah, it's still it's still a work in progress. And as Scott just, you know, laid out, it's it's been really tough with with Luke Gedeke. And, yeah. you know, Shaq Mason, again, is new to this team. He's obviously a high caliber player. Right. And let's remember, Hainsey, it's his first time starting, too. He's only a second year player. So um, to expect the same in there. Um, it, it's not, it's not a wise move, but with that said, they still have to be better. They don't have to be as good as Ryan Jensen and Allie and, and Donovan Smith fully healthy in right. there, but you can't do negative three yards in the first half, no, six rushing attempts. And, and there has to be some sort of movement. And, and you know what, Matt, I, 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 I think Byron Leftwich we saw down there by the goal line. He went with the extra offensive lineman. We saw that with yep. Joe Haig several times during the Bucks Super Bowl run, bringing in that jumbo tight end when Anthony Altair was was injured. He was their blocking tight end. And, and I think they're going to have to revert back to that. Brandon Walton was the player that, that came in. I'm all for it. Listen, you're you're predictable as it is running the ball, okay? So yeah. if you want to just obviously tell the defense what you're going to do and bring in your blocking tight end who's really an offensive lineman like Brandon Walton, if that's going to get the job done, then do it. If you want to run the ball, then just say, hey, we're going to run the ball. We're going to bring in the jumbo offensive lineman, use him as the tight end, and, and see if we can do something. Because right now, it's still pretty apparent when you're going to run the ball based upon your formations. I mean, yeah. they're not having any success doing it with Coke no. and Kate Otten and Cam Brate. So you might as well, 
if you're going to be predictable, just go ahead and be predictable and just say, screw it. We're bringing in Brandon Walton. He's going to be the Joe Haig this year. We're going to try to run the ball that way. You know what? Uh, you want to you want to test Brandon Walton's hands down there by the goal line like you did Joe Haig in the Super Bowl? Maybe he catches the ball. We'll yeah. see. But <laughs> at this point, I, I give Leftwich some credit for at least going to that near the goal line. Just go ahead and do it now because I just haven't seen enough from the tight ends. I think they're really hurting the running game. Uh, it hasn't been clean all the way across the board either with Gedeke and Hainsey. They're two young players. But just go ahead and do it at this point in time. I, yeah, I it, it's it's clear that they're not getting the job done. The Bucks yeah. just they just aren't. Yeah. But uh, one thing that does get the job done for you, especially if you're getting up there in age, is uh, age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because. I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Age rejuvenation. Well, listen, I, I, I'm going to say a couple things about that commercial. I like the commercial, but I don't know that I believe the lady, right, when she says... <laughs> Uh, I feel like shopping now. No, women like to shop all the time. This has yeah. nothing to do with how, <laughs> what would you feel. In 80, wow, that's a stretch. I mean, listen, I'm 50, right? I was feeling 50, maybe even 55 or something before I, I became an age rejuvenation client. And I don't feel like I'm 18 again, but I feel like I'm in my late 30s again. I do feel like, like the time has been turned back a little bit. Guys, if you want to feel better, go to age rejuvenation. You can lose weight. I've dropped a couple pounds. Feel great have better sex, you might have seen Age Rejuvenation as my new sponsor of the SR Spab 5 column on pewterreport.com and also as the presenting sponsor of the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show at walk-ons on a weekly basis. Well, I'm a new Age Rejuvenation customer, and thankfully, don't have any issues in the bedroom, but I turned 50 this year, and energy has become a problem. It turns out I've got low testosterone, like most men, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's just nature. It happens. There's not much you can do about it unless you go to age rejuvenation. Low testosterone can affect everything from weight loss to energy to stamina. And right now, there's a way to fight it, and that's what I did with the testosterone therapy treatments. I've got more energy. Visit agerejuvenation.com. Don't wait. If you're feeling lousy, if you're tired all the time, there's a way to fight it, guys. Age rejuvenation with five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. It certainly worked wonders for me so far. It's worked wonders for John Gilmore, former Buccaneer tight end. Lose weight, feel great. Age rejuvenation. Yeah, shout out to John Gilmore. Uh, did a great job with JC and Bailey, yeah. as he does every week on the uh, Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show presented by Age Rejuvenation and uh, live from Walk-Ons. It was at right. Midtown. It'll be at the Midtown location again. This week for uh, it's a one o'clock game, so we'll start at eleven o'clock from the walk-ons in Midtown. Yeah, uh, definitely recommend you go and, and check that out if you haven't already. I've been there multiple times, especially go tomorrow because they have happy hour all day, and right. uh, you can't beat that deal. So yeah, T Tuesday at walk-ons that that's my jam. I'm, you'll usually yeah. see Ashley and I there on Tuesdays up at the Wizard <laughs> Chapel location. Long lost leisure. Uh, says Scott hasn't had a haircut since BA retired. Next advertiser will be Sports Slips. I'm open to that Sports Slips. If you want to to uh, do a sponsorship on the Peter Report podcast, happy to entertain that. Happy to get some free haircuts too. 
Don't think I necessarily need one right now. I'm kind of ah, liking good. The, the long lock. Good flow. I, I did. I did receive some troubling news, Matt, at the stadium. I was not able to confirm this, and I should have had our intrepid photographer Cliff Welch take a picture. But uh, we we do have some information that that it was disturbing to me oh, no. during the game, and and somebody mentioned my hair and and also my uh, you know um, affection for Blaine Gabbert and his flowing locks. Uh, th- there, there is word that that Blaine Gabbert got a haircut. And yeah, I'm not, so I, I I'm not I saying that's why the Buccaneers too. lost, Matt, but it's it's freaking me out a little bit. And I haven't seen well, any photographic evidence of it yet, but it's concerning. I mean, so they I, showed him, you know, after Brady got hit, and obviously he was holding a shoulder. Yeah, I was like, wait a second, like Blaine Gabbert has flow. He was wearing a hat. Know. You know, you would still see yeah. the locks coming down. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. Did Blaine get a haircut? And then, you know, we went on with the conversation, so I kind of forgot about it. But, damn, that's not a good sign. And we don't know exactly when. Maybe he cut it this week after they lost to the Packers. Because I was saying the same thing. I need to trim my beard a little bit. But I was like, yeah. the Bucks are 2-0. and I can't, saying, Harvey, I can't, do, Samson, any, I can't do anything until Samson. they lose. Samson. Just saying. Samson. I was thinking Samson from uh, uh, Half-Baked. I want okay. to talk to Samson. <laughs> Some people might know that. Uh, I think Harvin yeah. is talking about Samson from the Holy Word, but uh, but you know, um, you know, or, well, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know, S- Samson, Delilah. You know, she came in and cut his hair. You know, so I don't know. I don't, I'm just I saying. Never get a haircut because he get, he's got an actual job interview. Long Lost Glazer always has a lot of great, he does. Uh, chats and, and and comments in there. So. Yeah, yeah Harvin had another. Harper had another question. He, I think he said, uh, is there anyone out there that we can sign? I don't see the, the, uh, the comment, but I remember seeing it. Uh, yeah. A couple, couple minutes ago. I don't really think, I mean, defensive line, obviously Sue is out there, but we already kind of talked about why you might not want that. And everyone on offense is going to say Odell Beckham. Well, Odell Beckham's not healthy either. Yeah. So <laughs> you have to wait until November. to. Yeah. We, we, we can start an Odell Beckham up. watch, Matt. We can do that. It's just going to take a yeah. minute, right? We're probably we're premature. We're probably five weeks away from from really entertaining Odell Beckham in terms of, of of a viable signing. Are we not? Right, and then a lot of people are saying Julian Edelman as well. I mean, people start talking. People still talk about getting Gronk back. Edelman's been retired for like a couple of seasons now. Yeah. So I don't know year. if like all of a sudden he wants to come out of retirement. He's got a pretty good job, I think, with CBS Sports. So I don't know. He's doing pretty well for himself. All right, so Julian Edelman is uh, 36 years old. Okay, so yeah. so Matt, <laughs> how's that 33-year-old wide receiver Julio Jones doing for this Buccaneer team? How is yeah, the 33-year-old wide receiver Cole Beasley doing for this Buccaneer team? He fell uh, tripping on himself. Right. Nice I'm game. just saying, if anything, this, this Buccaneer team needs a little bit of a youth movement uh, next year, not so much – the old guys, because yeah. the old guys they've signed, Kyle Rudolph, Akeem Hicks, Julio Jones, Cole Beasley. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately. Not a good track record the, so far. The Bucks took a gamble with some guys that are a little bit injury prone with these veteran additions. And uh, yeah. right now they're losing on those gambles. You know, obviously yeah. Hicks has been hurt the last two weeks. Jones, yeah. we've discussed that a ton. Beasley here. So, you know, he played nine snaps last week. He hasn't really been a huge factor. Made a nice, right. you know, uh, catch on fourth down last week against the Packers. But you know, he didn't he didn't do anything in last week's game when he only played nine sacks. 
uh, nine, right. nine snaps. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, you took a gamble on a couple of these guys. Rudolph was only active when Otten wasn't available. So, right. uh, you know, sometimes you're not going to hit on every single, you know, free agent signings that you have. So if you yeah. can't love if you can't love Jason Light in the front office on a Kyle Rudolph signing, then you don't deserve him when he signed Shaq Barrett. All right. So <laughs> no general manager is perfect. Jason will be the first one to tell you that. That's for sure. Um, one thing that is a pretty, pretty darn close to perfect, if I do say so ourselves, is our coverage of Pewter Report. Uh, we, we feel like we do a pretty good job covering this team. We've been doing it for a couple of years now, Matt. We've been, yeah. we've, we've been doing it for, for a while. We, we kind of know what we're talking about. We have some good contacts and Good analysis. Make sure that if you like the Pewter Report podcast, that you are checking out pewterreport.com. we got plenty of stories up today. More coming up tonight, including my two-point conversion post-game column. Best Bucks coverage. And you be sure to follow us on our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pewter Report. And on YouTube, Pewter Report TV, where we are approaching 10,000 subscribers. So, Matt, we appreciate every single one of those subscribers. Yes, we do. And what can they do when they go to Pewter Report TV Aside from hitting the subscribe button, uh, hit those thumbs up, hit those likes as well. It really helps us with our algorithm. Uh, if you like a lot of the videos that we put out, obviously we have the Peter Report podcast and the Tailgate Show and the Game Day Show. Um, but you know, we we like to put out different videos as well. Whether it's good sound bites from coaches and players, we had a video up earlier today about uh, you know Todd Bowles and Tom Brady talking uh, post game. We've done. Uh, uh, on this day in Bucks history, we have yep. some stuff from practice. So a little bit of everything for everyone. So, yeah, do us a favor. Hit that like button and, uh, you know, help us with that algorithm. Let more people know about PewReport.com and PewReport TV. Yep. Um, so if you like it, just do us a quick thing. Greatly appreciate that. And uh, i tell you what, I'm glad the hurricane's gone. I, I mean, that was that was a big distraction for everybody, not just the Buccaneers and, and, and you know, uh, People, I guess, live in the Tampa Bay area, but also all of Florida too. I mean, that mm-hmm. the devastation in Southwest Florida is just—it's it's, un—it's unbelievable. And it, you know, you, you feel a little guilty sometimes saying, "Well, I'm glad it didn't hit here." But, but you know, the reality of it is, is yeah, you know, I—I've got some some curtains, Matt, and <laughs> privacy mm-hmm. uh, and shade are two of the reasons why I wanted to get my curtains from from Florida Lanai curtains, and you know. I thought for sure it, we had some really windy gusts in Wesley Chapel, and I w- was unsure if I was going to still have a lanai, and I was unsure if if the curtains from Florida lanai curtains were still going to hold up through 60, 70 mile per hour gusts, but they did. They came through like like nobody's business. Uh, everything's intact, and it speaks to the quality that Florida lanai curtains uses. You know, we live in Florida because of the warm weather and the two most common complaints about living in Florida uh, are, you know, the heat, right? It's the brutal heat of the summer months, finally starting to cool off a little bit here in October, but still going to be in the eighties for quite some time. And the other thing is there's just so much new construction down here. You have houses that are built almost on top of each other. Lack of privacy and too much sun can drive people inside and a, away from their their backyards, their screened and closed pools, et cetera. And that's where Florida Lanai Curtains comes in, solving both these problems with their privacy-on-demand patented outdoor privacy curtain system and their custom-made enclosure shade sales. Their flexible installation options, high-quality products give you privacy and shade just where you need them. Privacy-on-demand outdoor curtains are made from the well-known Sunbrella brand of material, 
that's marine canvas quality, and it's backed by a 10-year fade-free warranty and available in over 100 colors. It's going to enhance the look and comfort of any outdoor space and match the back of your house. The unique shade sails are made from the Sola Mesh fabric, which has a 10-year warranty against degradation and are built to give you the shade and UV protection for years to come. So if you need privacy or shade or both, and you want more freedom to enjoy your outdoor spaces, your screened-in porch, your lanai, your pool cage, visit Florida Lanai Curtains website at lanaicurtains.com. It's a great investment. They look great, and they give you the privacy and the shade that you want. Go to lanaicurtains.com, find out more about their amazing custom products, and do your own hassle-free instant online estimate. Call 813-337-2511 to schedule a free in-home consultation. That's Florida Lanai Curtains at lanaicurtains.com. Make sure you check that out. And, uh, you know, as we wrap things up here again, thank you to everyone watching uh, and listening. And I, I just want to say, I, I understand people are frustrated right now. The Bucks have lost two in a row and especially that Packers game was a very winnable game yeah. uh, without question, but the sky isn't falling just yet. You know, I agree. the defense had a bad game, a truly awful game. And it started with the fumble. It took the air right out of the stadium. I think that that really messed things up. Yeah. A lot, but this team's two and the defense improved in the messing game. They're a way better team when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are, are available, and you know, hopefully, they're good to go for, for next week. Thank you, Gary. This was our best podcast. Yeah, just I think yet. it was. And, Felt pretty good you know, about it. And, two. and it's confirmed. Yeah, they're two and two. They're fighting for the top of the NFC South. There's only two undefeated teams remaining in the in the NFL. The Eagles have 4-0, and the Jets, who are undefeated when Zach Wilson is their starting quarterback. So there's only two undefeated teams <laughs> remaining in the league. So that means there's a lot of other teams that have one and two losses. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, the Bucs are making these mistakes now. They're making it in the first four or five games yeah. of the season. They're not doing this, hopefully, in December and, and January. What is Nate saying here? Oh, man. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I saw someone with a comment like that. I'm not saying that you didn't come up with it, Nate. Uh, but yeah, it was a tough week for uh, for the U. That's a good burn. Yeah. And, and, and listen, uh, after after my, my tongue lashing from Ryan Griffin, when his Tulane Green Wave beat my Kansas State Wildcats uh, in Manhattan a couple weeks ago, uh, my Wildcats got their act together, Matt. They beat Oklahoma on the road, which is yes, they did. just what we do. I mean, we, it's, it's just what Kansas State does. And, and then also a nice win over Texas Tech. We're in the top 20, so things are looking nice. up for us. I think they're going to be looking up for the Buccaneers, too. Th this is going to be a big Falcons game. We're going to get into this on Wednesday when we do our, our Falcons-Bucks preview, Matt, at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Yep. We want everybody there for, for that particular uh, show because it, this is another divisional game. And a lot's at stake. The Buccaneers can snap this two-game losing streak, get a win at home, and more importantly, Matt, Get 2-0 in the division. Yes. Tiebreakers are extremely important. Extremely, extremely important. And everyone likes when you win in the division. So yeah, um, that's going to do it for today's episode. We'll be back on Wednesday at 4 p.m. So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you on Wednesday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.